welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And uh, it is true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com, and the podcasts of these programs are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher Player, FM Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations that uh, I, it's too numerous to mention. But we also thank those of you who've been reposting our interviews. It's most appreciative. I'm a one-man band right now. Uh, I haven't reached the phase yet where my, uh, my program is uh, uh, a company, and now I have a staff, and they can do all this stuff. So I'm doing it all. Um, so we put it up on uh, those locations. But we're also on YouTube, where you can watch the video cast on the channel Tell Me Your Story, Richard Dugan. We hope that you will uh, do that as well. And subscribe. We'd appreciate that as well. Uh, we also want to let you know that, especially when it comes to the podcasts and video casts, that if you are listening to the radio broadcast, you're not getting it all. You've got to go to the podcast to hear the entire interview. Now, I don't do much editing at all, uh, but I slim down the segments of the radio broadcast uh, so that it'll fit into the format. But when you go to the podcast or video cast, you get everything that our guest has to say. And our guest has a lot to say today about relationships. And we're going to talk about um, what is uh, her latest work, Love Smacked, and how to stop the cycle of relationship addiction and codependency to find everlasting love. And Sherry Gaba, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. It's a pleasure to, uh, to be with you, to have you here, to uh, set us straight on what is and isn't a good relationship. Well, thank you for having me, Richard. I love the hat. Thank you. I'm kind of laughing because I'm watching Yellowstone, which is all this, you know, cowboy Mount Montana stuff. So I'm, I, I'm going, oh, this fits. Well, I'll tell you what, I am I enjoy watching the series um, because I like that period, but I'm also enjoying watching 1883, which is the you might call it the prequel, uh, giving us the backstory to uh, Yellowstone. And it's oh. uh, it's really uh, it, I, and I do love the styles. Um, I just bought myself a pair of low cut boots, um, but they had to be wide because I never like boots that pinch my feet. So uh, okay. but with 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 the fashion stuff out of the way, we're here to talk about the fashion of of uh, love relationships and uh, the the challenges that people are having. Like I've heard it said and maybe we can kind of start here that. During the past two years, more couples have broken up than yeah. at probably any other time. I don't know if I want to say in our history, but maybe in decades. Uh, what information can you share with us in regards to what what went wrong? Well, you know, you're in a house with someone 24-7, and that's, you know, very different than how it used to be, where everybody went off to their jobs. So now if you already had issues around, you know, who's doing the chores and who's taking care of the kids while I'm on the phone, you know, it's just very hard to navigate through. Some have navigated through it great. Like my daughter and, and the baby daddy, they're great. They, they work from home all the time. So this was no different for them. But people that aren't used to it really had a rough time with that. And, you know, also the other thing is if there was, and we're going to talk about toxic relationships, if there's abuse in the, in the home, um, 
this is really a this was a very scary time because there wasn't a lot of options really um and so you know it, it, and it was just awful for the children too i mean here you have there's abuse going on the kids used to be able to go to their safe haven go to school and get out of the home and not have to deal with the parents and all that or even being abused themselves but now there was no safe haven and everybody's under one roof and parents are trying to you know teach their kids while they're working and it was just a it's just really awful. And then what just adds to that is today on the news, I mean, I heard someone say that the lockdown, there's some scientific evidence that it really didn't prevent much. So here, the economy fell, families broke up, financial wreckage, trillion dollar debt, all for nothing. <laughs> and yet at the same time, you have to ask yourself the question, uh, did they know what they were doing or were they flying by the seat of their pants when they gave us these directives and so forth? And again, this is a subject maybe for another program. Uh, but again, we have a lot of people who said, yeah, I don't care what they tell me, whoever they are. Uh, I'm going to do whatever I want. And, and I get that. You know, people are exercising what they like to call their, their First Amendment and constitutional rights. But there's also that element of um, promoting the general welfare and preserving the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. But as you just well, I think you well stated, uh, it looks like um, all of the efforts put forth uh, as far as directives, really haven't made any difference whatsoever. I mean, I've been vaccinated. Uh, I haven't gotten the booster, but I haven't gotten it. And, uh, of course, I haven't been tested either, but I haven't had any symptoms of, of any note of anything that I haven't had before the pandemic started. So, you know, there's another issue there. But Yeah, it's so, there's so much conversation yeah. around this. We could go on forever. Yeah. I mean, what I understand is they took, um, they took protocol from the, the Spanish flu. Ah. So, what is, so I don't know with that. I, I you don't know, know we, we, we are, look, gang, we're in the 21st century, not the early 20th. And um, lifestyles are a whole lot different. So we need to look at it differently. But I will tell you, just as a final note on this, I was thrilled when they declared a lockdown in March of 2020 only because I said, OK, we're doing something different. I now when I say that, I'm saying based upon my experience over the years of dealing with, of course, the, the influenza that circles the globe every year, we wouldn't do anything until we got the vaccines for the, you know, the flu shot. But I thought, you know, if we just shut the airlines down for two weeks when the influenza starts, just shut them down for just two, two weeks. Nobody moves around, so you're not spreading it. So we're not, uh, uh, you know, reducing, A, our productivity at work, because a lot of people will still go to work and feel horrible, uh, or uh, um, who will not go to work. And, of course, you lose productivity that way. I mean, if the economy is the most important thing. But I want to talk about what I think is the most important thing, is in, in, at least in lieu of this program, is community. And sometimes a community can be, be of two in a relationship. And we're talking uh, maybe about a lot of different types, but maybe we're looking more at those love relationships, those intimate relationships between, you know, with couples. That's really what we're talking about here, right? Well, yeah. And we're also going to get into the pathology, which is when it goes awry, such as a toxic relationship, a love addicted relationship. Sure codependent relationship. So All that's, right. that's the focus today for some, for some people, they don't always get it right. And they, and there are reasons for it. And it's not to, to stigmatize anybody. I have been, you know, 
when people read my book, Love Smack, they'll learn my story. And, you know, my story really began, you know, from the incubator. So, but everybody has different stories as to why they end up in divorce, why they end up in toxic relationships, why they become codependent and love addicted. Well, we're going to talk uh, all about all of this as we continue talking with Sherry Gaba. And we're talking about, of course, uh, her latest work that we hope that you'll go pick up a copy of. It's called Love Smacked, How to Stop the Cycle of Relationship Addiction and Codependency to Find Everlasting Love. We also encourage you to go to her website, SherryGaba.com. And that's S-H-E-R-R-Y-G-A-B-A.com as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, relationships is the topic on the table. Uh, as I like to say, Sherry, Sherry gave our guest here on the program talking about uh, relationships. I like to say that uh, we lay out this smorgasbord, this giant table, which, by the way, gets bigger with every program because now we're putting your stuff out there on the table for people to consider. When we're talking about relationships, um, I, I, I was asked this question once uh, in light of a relationship that, that I was in. Uh, and they said, don't answer this right away. In an intimate, a loving relationship, what does unity look like? And I thought about that for a long time. And this takes us to that aspect of addiction and the symptoms and the signs and as well as, you know, again, toxic relationships. Um, we Would you say that, that uh, it's not enough to look at those kinds of relationships and say, well, I know what unity in a relationship isn't. Right, right. Well, you know, unity sounds like an interdependence in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Unity is sort of on the positive side. Yes. It just becomes not positive when we get into obsessive love, when we're with somebody for all the wrong reasons, when we're settling for less, when we're picking partners based on early trauma, then we're not really talking about unity, then we're talking about a dysfunctional relationship. So when we look at love addiction or you know, for probably the average person out there, if who doesn't know the word love addiction, they might be, we might think of it as obsessive love. And obsessive love or love addiction is a process addiction. So somebody that is into substances, that's a substance abuse addiction. Love addiction is more like a soft addiction. It's more like a lifestyle addiction. You could think of other soft addictions like food or sex addiction or exercise addiction or internet addiction or God, for me, it's cell phone addiction, gaming, shopping, spending, debting. These are all what we would call um, process addictions. But they're also, um, they cause the same euphoric states as a mood altering substance. And so if there's a breakup or something happens and the, the couple breaks up, suddenly there's this withdrawal phase that people go through. And they're, they're almost craving their partner, their attachment, just like somebody might be craving their drug. So those are the the kind of relationships that are, you know, that are very toxic and they're based on things other than perhaps healthy unity. Um, When you look at a love addicted relationship, um, you're looking at someone who's really afraid to be alone. They're afraid to let go. They they have complete um, emptiness inside of them, like a hole inside of them. Then they're expecting this other person to fill that hole. They try to change that person to meet the fantasy of who they want them to be. Um, they're looking for affirmation. They're insecure. They fear their fear abandonment. 
they go through what I was talking about earlier, those withdrawal symptoms that can happen when the breakup ends. And that again, is just this very unhealthy pathological kind of relationship. So, so unity to me, you know, based on the question you asked is, is much healthier, obviously, than a relationship based on fear and trauma and uh, emptiness and desperation. Now, uh, it's one of the things that I've often uh, spoken about on this program in that, you know, there are a lot of isms in the world. And, um, you know, we, 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 uh, I, I would often say, I'd use this analogy of uh, the human body and the, the, the cells in the human body. I said, under, under what ism do the cells of our body function? Now, first of all, you can eliminate uh, you can eliminate capitalism. You can eliminate uh, free enterprise. You can eliminate uh, uh, individualism, because if in fact each of the cells of the human body said, "I'm going to do my own thing," the human body would cease to exist. Um, and I actually I got to the point where I finally realized what it was, and it is what you just you used the word already interdependentism, because we are connected we are interdependent whether we like it or not because we affect one another but what happens in these toxic and addictive relationships that we find ourselves in when there is another addiction going on with the one of the individuals let's just say drug or alcohol abuse I mean, there has to that has to be one of the symptoms as well. It's like, well, you know, this is this is my only vice. This is just I I enjoy my wine and da 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 da, da or I enjoy I enjoy my pot. And now that pot is legal, all you know, all over the place now, uh, you know, and so on and so on. And the other person is just sitting there going, yeah, but when you're there. I don't know who you are. You're not the person that I married or I connected with or I hooked up with or, I, you know, that I love. You know, it's like the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Well, you bring up a couple of points. So you bring up alcoholism, drug addiction in a relationship, which is a little separate from the topic of love addiction. But that's OK, because often when we think of codependency, which is like love addiction, there is usually a codependent and a substance abuser. So I can I can talk about that. Um, and then I think, let's see, you kind of, you kind of overlapped a little, you wanted to know what a toxic relationship looks like. So mm -hmm. I can break that down, but what often happens in these relationships. And I was married to an alcoholic is, um, there isn't really there. It's, it's a very dysfunctional relationship because you now are trying to control that other person. Often, often you want that person to stop drinking. You'll do whatever you can to get them to stop working. You become obsessed with them. So just like the alcoholic is addicted to the alcohol, you're addicted to them and you're addicted to fixing and changing and manipulating and doing whatever you can to get that person to stop, which, which is really just a lose-lose battle because you really don't have that power. You don't have that control. So that's where kind of love addiction comes in too, because you're just addicted to this person. You want this person to, um, to stop drinking. You want your, you want your the chaos to stop because there's nothing more chaotic than having an alcoholic in your home. And which also then brings me to then often we also get addicted to toxic relationships based on our early upbringing and the kind of caregivers we had, were we abused, were we neglected, were our parents unavailable? Um, so those, so what is a toxic relationship? So anybody that's listening to your program, maybe you're here, what is this thing? What is this thing called toxic relationship? Well, it's usually characterized by constant worry about the partner and obsessing about them. And it's a toxic sign if your partner 
are altering their life habits and needs and wants to be with that person. So you kind of give up yourself to be that person. You give up your authentic voice. You give up your truth. You give up who you are. And when you give up all of this to be with the other person, they become the single most important person in your life. And then this can lead to the signs of a toxic relationship, obsessing about every little detail and fear of losing them. And if you're in a toxic relationship, you notice subtle changes in their texts. You can't stop ruminating about them. You want to spend every minute with them. I mean, obviously this is not unity and this is not an interdependent relationship. These are two half people trying to make a whole, which is impossible. The other um, element of a toxic relationship is walking on eggshells, you know, having fights, being drained, being exhausted, you know, asking yourself, should I say this? Or did I ask the wrong thing? Or what if I did it this way? What will happen if I tell them what happened at work or that I want to spend more time with friends? How are they going to react? So you're, you're totally afraid of them, really. Um, you feel guilty for everything. So when you're in a toxic relationship, you feel like you are the guilty one. And they, they a nurse, if you're with a narcissist or a toxic person, they have a really great ability of turning everything up on you. It's all about them. And they turn it out. Everything, anything that's wrong is your fault. So one of the sure signs of a toxic person is not taking responsibility for their actions and shifting the blame on you. And if we look at a true narcissist, narcissistic personality disorder, they they have no ability in their brain to see your point of view. They have no empathy. They don't, they're not thinking of you. They're only thinking of their point of view. So in this case, on their partners, as far as the partner goes, if you're wondering if you're in a toxic relationship, take a look at the distribution of responsibility and guilt in the daily interaction. So going back to your original question of the pandemic, well, if you're with a narcissist or someone who doesn't take responsibility, they're just gonna keep saying, making everything your fault, including the pandemic. Um, there's gonna be a lot of fighting. You know, Has there been a time when you got along without fights? Uh, was that also the time when your toxic partner, for some reason, was at peace or happy? You know, Being with a toxic person is really difficult because everything seems to be the motivation to argue or show discontent. So they're always critical, they're always unhappy, and it's always your fault. They're manipulating, they're controlling, um, they're very dominating, they have to be right. A toxic partner feels they have the right to tell you whom to spend time with, how to dress, how to do your hair, what to do for a living, what you know, when to go to the doctor, what to have for lunch, and it goes on and on. And then there's yelling, there's insulting, there can be physical injury, a lot of disrespect, a lot of dishonesty, a lot of betrayal. And then you become, you know, you really have a lack of your own self-care because, you know, suddenly everything is, you, you know, you're having the pink, the finger pointed at you all the time. You kind of lose yourself and you lose taking care of yourself. We're talking with Sherry Gaba. She is uh, the author, <clears throat> excuse me, of uh, uh, a very fascinating book. I think you might uh, find it very informative for you in your relationship. Love Smacked. Love Smacked. Uh, how It's not a new breakfast cereal, okay? Uh, it's how to stop the cycle of relationship addiction and co codependency to find everlasting love. Uh, she is... Um, a license. Now it's LCSW. That stands for licensed clinical social worker. Social so worker. 
you're also a licensed psychotherapist. All right. And you're also a transformational coach, of course, as well as the the author of this particular work. And we're grateful for that, uh, about how to uh, wake up from uh, and recover from toxic relationships. And we are talking with her here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, again, thanking you as well as our guest, uh, Sherry Gaba, for joining us here on the program. Her website, SherryGaba.com, S A. H-E-R-R-Y-G-A-B-A.com. And uh, Sherry, we will be linked to your website as well so people can find out more, not only about you, uh, your story, of course, by getting a copy of your book, but also about the 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 opportunities that you avail to folks uh, to get out of these relationships. Now, let's uh, talk a little bit about some of this uh, toxicity, some of this addiction and so forth. There are usually, usually two people involved in a relationship. We'll just cut, let's keep it simple. And it's two people, okay? Right. <clears throat> and um, one of them has an addiction, not not to the relationship, that, but they have one of these uh, outside addictions, whether it be substance or otherwise, internet and so on and so forth. Uh, the other person recognizes this, would really like for them to change uh, or, or better yet, to refocus on the relationship and what they had before. Um, but at the same time recognizes that, as, as kind of like you said earlier, look, they're a free moral agent. They can do whatever they want. I can't control them. I can't force them to give up these addictions. Um, but I can't continue to put up with whatever it is that is interfering with the cohesiveness interdependent aspects or the unity of the relationship. And so they start to distance themselves um, emotionally uh, to the point where the other person says, you know what, whenever you hold me or you touch me or whatever, I feel nothing, which is absolutely true because the other person is distancing themselves because they don't want to deal with this. And they might even physically separate. Maybe they have a, a two bedrooms or something like that uh, where they're still living in the same structure but in different rooms, that kind of thing. Um, how healthy is that for that individual who says, I don't want to be in this relationship like this, um, but I, I don't want to leave the relationship because I love this person. I love the person I met when we first got together. I, I don't want to lose I want, we, we did so much fun things, to, so many fun things together. Is that part of that person's codependent behavior saying, I'm not willing to throw it away and I'm going to do whatever it takes to fix it? Well, if their life is becoming unmanageable and they're depressed and anxious and they're having physical problems, like what happened to me, you know, I had shingles and I had, um, God, what happened to me? I had all kinds of issues by the time I left my or had my ex-alcoholic leave my home or our home, um, you know, shingles, staph infection, you know, high blood pressure, cholesterol. I mean, it's just a host of problems because you're just living in such chaos. Then I think it's time to say goodbye. I mean, there's nothing, but I'm not here to put judgment on other people, what they decide. I mean, there are 12 step programs out mm -hmm, there for mm -hmm. family members of alcoholics called, it's called Al-Anon. It's a 12 step program. It's based on the same principles as AA. And you can stay with that alcoholic if you want, and you can learn to live a different life. You can you can do it any way you want. You can, I, I 
personally think that if someone is not able to stop personally for me and just continues to wreak havoc on my life, and if there's children wreak havoc on their lives, then I think it's time to let go. I I personally did everything I could to help the alcoholic. So I don't know. I don't think it was codependent until it became codependent. And when, when I was just spinning out of control, obsessed, I couldn't focus on anything else. Then it became an out of control thing. And then it was time to say goodbye. But by all means, if you're with someone you love and you want to do everything you can get therapy, put them in rehab, but eventually what the, 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 the thing is boundaries. Like eventually you've got to have boundaries for your own mental health and your own, um, for your own happiness and peace. So it's kind of a personal decision. Um, you also brought up something about wanting it to be what it was. Yeah. So when I think of that, I think of what's called known as love bombing. And this is a little separate from being with an alcoholic, although you could be with an alcoholic that love bombs you, but it's usually with someone who's toxic and a narcissist and they do all these wonderful things when you first meet them and you're all, and you just want to go back to that place and you never go back there because that love bombing, uh, by this narcissist what or this toxic person was a way to reel you in to suck you in to get you to want to be with them so they might lavish you with really with really nice gifts they can't stop complimenting you they're constantly giving you attention they tell you oh i love everything about you i've never met anyone as perfect as you you're the only person i want to spend time with they bombard you with phone calls and texts and facebook messengers and they want your and they want your undivided attention. And you know, if you're a codependent or a love addict and you're a needy person or you're someone that needs all this attention, or you only feel as good as the next person who notices you, you're gonna love this attention. This is gonna be like, oh my God, it's gonna be such a hit of like, oh, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Um, they try to convince you that you're soulmates. They may say things like, Oh, we were born to be together. It's faith that we met. You understand me more than anyone else. We are soulmates. Um they want a commitment right away. They get upset when you place boundaries on them. This is this is unhealthy because this is all what we call love bombing. And again, it's a way to manipulate you in. And then once they have you, if you were dealing with a narcissist or a toxic person, then they're going to start that other behavior I talked about earlier, where they're critical and they're controlling and um, you know, you're always wrong and they're always right. And you're like, wait a minute, what happened to this other person? Well, mm -hmm. They love bombed you. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and, and again, an addict, alcoholic can love bomb you too. I, I, I kind of have to differentiate because, mm -hmm. you know, in my opinion, the my alcoholic, the one I love was a really great person. He just had a really bad disease. He never love bombed me. It was just a very, you know, normal relationship until he got really sick from his disease. But there could be someone who is a narcissist and an alcoholic for sure. And it's a tough, it's a tough road to hoe. Uh, I know that uh, there are therapists who actually will tell their clients, their patients, if you will, that you have to take care of you. It doesn't mean you don't love the other person, but you have to take care of you. And it's also the first rule of survival training. Take care of number one, because if you don't take care of number one, you can't help anybody else. Again, oh. also the other analogy on the airplane when they're giving the instructions, put your mask on first and then help your child or anybody else there who needs help. Because if you're not able to breathe, what good are you to these other people? Uh, you're actually going to make it worse for them in that matter, in that particular example. We're talking with Sherry Gaba, and we're talking about uh, Love Smacked. I want to talk about that as well as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and um, 
Love smacked. Where did that tile come? Uh, tile? Title. <laughs> Where did the title come from? Because uh, it sounds of uh, very aggressive. I know. Some someone I someone said to me, God, you really want to use that title? It almost sounds like domestic violence. I certainly didn't mean it to sound like domestic violence, but it's certainly there could be domestic violence in a mm-hmm. love, in a codependent relationship. The, the whole book was um you know, I had this idea years ago, I had been married multiple times. And there was a lot of shame around feeling like I was less than because I couldn't get it right. And so I really wanted to eradicate the um, stigma around multiple marriages, multiple relationships. And, you know, there's reasons that I, like I said earlier, that we end up in these toxic relationships, love addicted relationships, and a lot, and usually it's based on how we grew up, what our parents were like, what our caregivers were like, did we receive the love that we needed? In my case, um, for some people, they may not believe this, but we do have cell memory and bonding is the most important aspect of the beginning of life is to have our caregiver, our mother. We we need that soothing, nurturing, loving object to give us all that love so that we can thrive in the world where I didn't really get that in my day. They didn't allow mothers to touch their preemies. I was only, um, I was only, I think I was around three pounds and I was in an incubator for almost three months. And there just was no bonding that went on. So I really had a lot of issues in life with attachment and abandonment issues and all kinds of chaos, you know, meeting the wrong people, getting in the wrong relationships, all the things you can imagine. But there was a reason for it. And when I started doing the work and really get unpacking this trauma, and that's what I do with my clients and really getting and, and again, trauma can be other things. It can be neglect. It can be having parents that were unavailable, emotionally unavailable, physically unavailable. They could abused you, God forbid, molested you. I mean, trauma comes in all different packages. That was just my particular trauma. And then I had a mother that was somewhat narcissistic. So she wasn't quite as available as I might've needed being, you know, what I think I did need. Um, so you have to look at your, your particular childhood. What, you know, why do you attract I mean, unavailable people? Why are you attracting narcissists? There's a reason. And so that's what you got to really unpack so that you can meet a really great person and stop the, this revolving door of toxic relationships. And that's what I do in my work. Um, that's what my book is about. I also, I think in your show notes, you're going to list my membership program, which is like a group coaching program. And I'm offering it just for your listeners, Richard, it's for a dollar trial. And it's a whole treasure trove of all kinds of great information on these topics that we're talking about. They just have to go to the link and it's a dollar. And then I'm offering a free quiz, excuse me, a free ebook. So I also gave you a um, link, which will Mm -hmm. be in the show notes for someone who wants to kind of figure out, am I codependent? Am I with a narcissist? Am Mm -hmm. I a love addict? And I have three free ebooks for you. Well, since you've already started down that path, which is just fine, I have no problem with that. First of all, let's talk about the uh, the uh, the free gifts, if you will, the free ebooks to start with. Sure. Yeah. There's three books there. One is on, you know, are you a love addict? One is, are you in a relationship with a narcissist? And the other one is the truth about codependency. So if there's any question and anybody's been a little bit confused between what is a codependent? What is a love addict? Am I with a narcissist? Am I obsessively in love? These books will really help you understand what's going on. And there's also a quiz. So that'll be really helpful for you. Quizzes are great Mm -hmm. and they're free. And um, I think you're going to really, really enjoy them. If you want to take another level up, you can get the book Love Smacked. 
or if you want to just be in a group coaching program, you know, I really do understand as a therapist, not everybody can afford therapy. And so my mission to get this all out in the world was to have some kind of um, group coaching program where you, you have live calls with me, you have all kinds of lessons, you have uh, interviews like this with great experts, um, you have worksheets, uh, meditation, all, it's everything. It's like, it's almost like a bundle of great information, great resources. But with that, and that's where you will see it's for a dollar in the show notes. But I have to also say with the caveat that if you really have severe trauma, you really need to work with a therapist. You really need to work with someone who is um, licensed and who understands trauma. You don't want to just find a therapist that does talk therapy. You want someone that really does the, the deeper work right. and they can go to Sherry. You can go to, if you want to make an appointment with me and go to Sherry Gaba, but just make sure whoever, because there's so much noise out there on the internet, make sure you find someone that's licensed. I, I think that's very important, and uh, also to create a network, a community, where you know a, a relationship with more than just uh, one individual. If you can, not, not to not to get a bunch of yes people around you. I don't think that's what we're looking for here. When I when we're talking about that, we're looking for people who will uh, maybe empathize. You know, uh, they don't need to be saying, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this, you know, uh, you know, because they didn't do it to you. Uh, you chose this relationship and you're cho choosing to stay or or not stay and so on and so forth. But people who are there who will at least be there, maybe I don't know what to provide some form of comfort uh, or maybe reinforce uh, what the therapist is already saying, you need to take care of you, you know, uh, you can't change the other person, you can't get them to stop doing whatever it is that they're doing that's interfering with with the relationship. That's such a great point, Richard. Thank you. I probably should emphasize that more. But yes, the membership for a dollar is a community of like minded people. Um, I think there's nothing more helpful than being with other people that can say, oh my God, I know what you're going through. You know, this is what I did. What did you do? What do you want? I mean, just really kind of lifting each other up, sort of loving each other till you can really start to love yourself again. Um, I know when I became a single mom, I joined a single parent group. When I was with the alcoholic, I joined a group of other people that have been married to alcoholics, which a lot of people in our program have that issue. They have, you know, they have issues of just being losing themselves and other people, whether it's an alcoholic, whether it's a toxic person. Um, and that's really what community is, is to just not to feel so alone. And so I really appreciate you reminding your audience that community is everything. They say the opposite of addiction is lack of connection. You know, I even I have to hmm. just say this. So I have been divorced 10 years and my alcoholic ex is still drinking and he calls once in a while. And he actually called this morning. Sometimes I take his call. Sometimes I don't. I don't. I don't. Um, I'm not with him. I'm not attached to him. I I'm completely with. I'm completely detached. But mm -hmm. once in a while, I'll you know see how he's doing. And the first thing he said is, "I just need connection. I just need connection." It's and it's actually heartbreaking. Really, it's very sad. But that's the truth. Anybody that's struggling with an addiction, they just want connection. But at the same time, there is a certain level of manipulation in that, isn't there? Oh, yeah. That, I'm way detached. That's you're, Richard, that's so true. So it's been 10 years. So that's when he does that. I'm just like, that's a really sad story. He knows where he needs to go. Mm -hmm. I'm not his fix. I'm not going to help. I'm not here to 
I am not here to co-sign his issue. And I don't stay on the phone. I'm like, okay, well, I'm sorry. Maybe I always say the same thing. You know where the meetings are, you know, you know where to go. Yeah. I mean, you know, but if you're newly separated, do not take those calls. If you have, I mean, because then you can easily be sucked in. I don't get sucked in anymore because it's been so many years, but great point. If you are newly separated from an alcoholic and they're trying to suck you in or a narcissist, you know, just go no contact. Yeah. I know that uh, you don't have any problem speaking aloud, if you will, about your experiences with obviously your latest ex and so forth and the other relationships, the marriages that you've been in. I've been divorced once. Uh, but it wasn't due to uh, necessarily to uh, a substance abuse. It was that she wanted to live a different lifestyle, uh, wanted to live as a hermit. And mm-hmm. that wasn't part of the deal in that I wanted what I referred to as, <laughs> pardon me, McDonald's, I wanted the full meal deal. Yeah. Uh, and I found a woman who uh, brought that to me, um, and we shared that for many, many years. And so um, there can be a lot of reasons why a, a relationship can go south and end and, uh, if it's a marriage, end in divorce. Um, the, the other aspect of this, oh, but before I go any further, I want to mention that it is sherrygaba.com slash NPQuiz. That's NPQuiz. And uh, if you want to know if you or, your, uh, or anybody else is at risk of indulging in these self, they are self-destructive, obsessive love addictions or behaviors, you can take Sherry's quiz and you can receive her free ebook, Narcissistic Partners. Uh, We were even going to talk about that with somebody else who wrote a book regarding narcissism. And I actually talked with a gentleman because it's kind of along the same lines. Talked with a gentleman. I think he was a a psychologist uh, possibly. But his book had to do with um, uh, psychopaths. Mm. But narcissists can be also psychopaths as well. And he said that this this blew me away at first. I thought, you have got to be kidding me. You mean to tell me we can actually learn something from psychopaths? Seriously? And he says, yeah. He says, because it's psychopaths who get things done. Now, (laughs) they don't play by the same rules that we play by, but they get things done. They step on people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's interesting about that is that, okay, so we can be talking about psychopaths or sociopaths. Sociopaths. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sociopaths. Wrong term. You have to remember the reason that they become this way is something probably happened when they were young and they had to manipulate and like somehow navigate their life to get what they needed. So, you know, then it just becomes pathological as they get older. And then you're part of that, you know, partnership, you're you're in trouble, but, or it's your boss or whatever, it's going to, that's where it's going to play havoc. But I just wanted to say that there are reasons for it. And that's the most important thing to understand is that they were trying to navigate a very unhealthy situation. Right. And they learned very young how to manipulate and ultimately became sociopaths. Sherry Gabe is my guest. SherryGaba.com is the website, and you're listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's uh, great to have Sherry Gaba with us here to talk about this whole issue of uh, toxic relationships, uh, addictive, codependent relationships. I remember in the 80s, <clears throat> I remember the 80s, and I was very much into self-help and all of this kind of stuff, and codependency was a real big deal. I went through uh, LifeSpring, which was uh, an offshoot of EST, back in uh, 80, I think it was 1980. 80, uh, possibly 81. I'm, I'm, I got those two years mixed up. Anyway, and um, of course, we started out these five five day sessions, three nights and uh, a weekend. Um, 
talking about why we are the way we are and who's to blame. And, of course, well, mom and dad, they did this. My siblings did this. The bullies in school. In other words, it was always somebody else's fault, i.e. more of the codependent kind of thing, because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I am. And then, of course, in the 90s and the 2000s, we kind of shifted and we started to work into interdependency. And then the campaign of 2016 started in 2015. And I'm going, what is this, the 80s? Since when are we back to victimhood again? I I couldn't believe it. And a lot of people bought into it and still do to this day that it's somebody else's fault that I as an individual, I as a city, a state or a nation, I have the we have the problems we have because of somebody else. And and I keep thinking, no, we did this to ourselves, whatever it is that we think that we did that, you know, in terms of the problems. But in a relationship, sometimes the the person who is in the relationship, in the addictive or toxic codependent relationship and and wants it to change, wants it to be a loving, interdependent, unified relationship, uh, starts to blame themselves and say, oh, well, gee, you know, if I hadn't, I mean, you could say, well, you know, if I hadn't met this person, I wouldn't be in this mess and that kind of stuff. When in fact, that's not really the case, is it? It's, it's, I mean, yes, they made choices and it put them where they are as the philosophy goes. But at the same time, it's like, but that's not really helpful. That's actually maybe more destructive to them because, you know, they're, they're, they're actually digging their hole deeper, so to speak, with their own well, shovel. I think, I think it's one thing to say, you know, you made a choice. Like, you can't be the victim if you've made these choices. But there are reasons you made these choices. Okay. That's, that's where I, I think we need to really separate. Like, I... When I was young, oh, I was angry at everybody and I was angry at them and it was all their fault. And then then one day I did realize, oh my God, I made these choices. Now let's like, let's unpack why I made these choices. And that is, that is, that is personal responsibility. Absolutely. Then that's, I was going to say, and that's where we need to go next. And I know it's different for everybody. So you, you take it. you, You do have to have some compassion for the person that did grow up in a lot of trauma. You have to have compassion. Doesn't mean you have to live in that victimhood of I grew up in this family and now I'm screwed forever. No, that is not true. <laughs> you can find a great therapist. You can you can do the work. You can join my community. You can read my book. You can do all these great things to heal yourself. But we have to start with compassion. So I guess what what we want to get to is how do we overcome our addiction to toxic relationships? So the first step is you want to start looking at Every relationship that enters our life is an opportunity to heal and grow and become more self-aware. So that's the first step. So our focus has to shift from the outside in and look looking within. You know, every relationship is manifested into our lives to mirror the relationship we have with ourselves. And this is really the truth. If we're attracting toxic relationships or we're continuing to nurture our addiction to them, it's because first and foremost, we have a toxic relationship with ourselves. So once once we figure that out and we begin to investigate the roots of this etern- internal addiction to your toxic self, the dark side, then the, the work begins, the healing begins. So we want to be aware that healing an addictive toxic relationship with ourselves doesn't happen overnight. We have to accept and welcome the process. It's a constant work in progress of uncovering and resolving toxic childhood experiences or conditioning or anything else that has happened in your life that was difficult or traumatic. Um, 
and start building a connection with your healthy self. We were talking about that earlier. You want to build a healthy connection with your spiritual self and your, and your, you know, the essence of you, your light. And at the beginning, this will be more of a, of a cognitive effort. It'll all be like up there in our brain, but soon it will become more emotional and eventually more spiritual. And eventually you're going to find the light within and you're going to start with, you know, with you, it all begins with you. And that's really the truth. We will need to recondition ourselves and become addicted to our healthy self, um, who is obviously very valuable, colorful, vibrant, and strong. You know, uh, near the ending of my first marriage, um, I was encouraged and accepted the challenge, so to speak. I was encouraged to go to therapy because they said I had anger issues, <clears throat> you know, that I was depressed. And, uh, of course, the, the expression of depression is anger, supposedly. I, I, again, I don't know all the ins and outs or the math, how that works. But anyway, I said, okay, sure. Found a therapist, a female therapist of all people. Uh, and um, what was I, 35, something like that. And um, went to this therapist for four sessions. And in the fourth session, she asked me to uh, name off uh, the names of my friends. And 95% of them were females, female friends. And, of course, we talked a lot about my issues and this and that and the other thing. And she, first of all, had a problem with the fact that most of my friends were female. And then she said, okay, well, um, uh, we need to deal with your character flaws. And it was at that point that I said, this is not only the last session, but I ain't going to pay her. <laughs> I'm not looking for a therapist who's on my side, but I don't need a therapist who belittles me. You know, I know that I'm, I'm not perfect. Uh, but as it says, as I have a, I've written my very first, so far it's, a, it's my only song. Uh, it's called, I'm a good man doing the best I can. And that's all I'm doing. I'm just doing the best I can with what I've got. Just like my parents did the best they could with what they had, the way they raised me. Just as I'm sure your parents, you probably look at it this way today, they did the best they could with what they had, with what they knew. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and and so uh, that's something I'd like to maybe address in this conversation here is, is just that, that each one of us is we're just, you know, we, we can only work with the tools that we have. If we don't know that the tools exist, how are we going to use them? We can't. We haven't even, we can't choose them, let alone use them. And that's what this program is all about in terms of bringing choices and knowledge of those choices to help uh, people's dreams come true. Mine, yours, others, those who are listening and watching. So can we talk a little bit about that in that regard in terms of, you know, again, just saying... Hey, uh, you know, okay, I, I, um, I'll, I'll put it this way. I screwed up. I made a mistake, but, 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 but I'm doing the best I can. I'll do better next time. I mean, that's kind of what we do in school, right? Yeah, nobody should ever shame you um, like that. That was a terrible thing that she said to you. Um, what you're wanting to do is unpack the, you know, what is the behavior? What led to that behavior? How do you want to change that behavior? Yeah. Um, and that's, that it's that simple, but to tell you that you have character flaws and shaming you in a therapy session, that's, yeah, that's, that's why I wrote my book, like no shame. Like there's, I want to, you know, no more shame about the things that we've done. I mean, 
you know, even my alcoholic ex, there's no, you know, he, he's, a, he's an alcoholic. He has a disease. There's, there's a solution and there's actions that he can take. There's actions that I took to heal myself. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's actions that you took to become a better man or to become the man you wanted to become, mm -hmm. but you were never bad. You were just somebody that was transforming and, mm -hmm. and growing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why someone would say that to you. Yeah. Sorry about that. But that's, well. <laughs> that's a very bad experience. It was your sister. Your sister was my therapist. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have a sister, but boy. No, no, no. I did. I would I'd fire her. I Well, I did. Uh, and I, like I said, she never got paid. Uh, at least not from me anyway. But that aside, uh, it's important to find the right group of people, uh, the right therapist um, right. to to try to work through and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to turn out the way you want uh what about that well, letting go of the expectations of how it's going to resolve because it may not resolve with the two of you staying together and right. that's some that's the possibility so if you have no expectations however it turns out it's how it turns out. Right. As long as you're both, you know, the thing is, you, if you're going to, you're, you're talking about couples therapy, individual therapy. I mean, it just depends. If you're going to couples therapy, what is your goal? Is your goal to end the marriage? Is your is your goal to work on the marriage? Is one person in, one per person out? You sort of have to kind of figure all that out. You're right. Um, never to get attached to the outcome. But what I always say to people that are like afraid to leave a relationship, mm -hmm. I say, well, there's so many possibilities if you do leave. And we're talking about a toxic relationship, one that is just not working. Right. I say, gosh, if you stay, you know exactly what you're going to get. If you leave, you have no idea the possibilities that exist. So you know, and, that's how I see it. Yeah. And now years ago, and this was uh, maybe even before my first marriage or maybe within it, I used to think that, the individuals in a relationship, um, anything was possible to work out. In other words, uh, you, it, why would you put so much energy and effort into something that down the road you're just going to throw away? I mean, for example, there was a part of me that felt a little guilty at first. Uh, for leaving and then in turn uh, going through the uh, uh, divorce process uh, with my first wife thinking, oh, my God, you were together for 15 years and you're going to throw all that away, Richard? Um, and yet at the same time, uh, like you still have contact and connection with your ex, but it's not certainly the way that it used to be. There's no question about that. So it's what about that anything. aspect of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I just take a call here and there. I mean, I, I and a lot of people don't understand that. They're like, how could you talk to him? Like what he did to you? He didn't do anything to me. I chose him. I knew he was a recovering alcoholic and he relapsed. And I have a lot of compassion for the disease. So, as, as, you know, yes, relationships can morph into different things. I don't know. We have sort of a quasi friendship, but mostly a non-existent anything, but I'm just not angry. And I think that's the important thing. I think people get so angry when things don't work out. And I, I mean, I understand there's pain, you know, someone cheats on you or, you know, what I went through, but it really doesn't serve you to just spend the rest of your life angry. And you don't have to stay friends. You certainly don't have to stay friends, but 
I think having anger in your heart is never is never a positive thing. It can uh, it can tear you up inside. Yeah, I, I just have great compassion. I really do. Um, that's just how I'm built. I, mean, I don't know if I was like that in the tornado the first you know few years, but eventually that's what I came to. Um, you know, it's just different for everybody, but nothing's ever a mistake. I mean, just because you've been with someone 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, five years, a year, they're all lessons, right? They're all lessons. And um, as long as we gain something and, you know, and we might fall down again, like my story, you know, I fell down a couple of times or a few times and that's okay too. Um, you get it when you get it, just like, you know, you just get it when you get it. Um, and so that's, that's my story, Richard. <laughs> and you're sticking to it? Yeah, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> All right. And that's uh, Sherry Gaba's story, sherrygaba.com. And by the way, the uh, web address, the email, the web address for you to take the quiz, it's not a long quiz, it's just a few questions, what have you, is sherrygaba, S-H-E-R-R-Y-G-A-B-A.com slash N-P quiz, N-P-Q-U-I-Z, N-P quiz. And we certainly hope that you will avail yourselves of this quiz. Uh, even if you feel like you're in a really good relationship and things are just sailing right along, what's it going to hurt? You know, because you'll find out something about yourself as well. And uh, I, I have to say, uh, Sherry, that again, as we talk about the decade of perfect vision and encouraging people to go within, to spend time in that quiet, peaceful, calm space and listen to that still, small voice. It's also important for us at that same time to learn about self and learn about what I, I put it this way. I talk about the light and the shadow side, not so much the dark side, because the shadow side is nothing more than uh, obstacles, if you will, blocking the light or uh, and it's a place for us to hide. And I've heard the phrase, you know, I'm in the state of confusion. Well, the state of confusion is a comfortable place to be, but it isn't going to help you to stay in that state of confusion. Uh, and the truth, as the Bi it says in the Bible, you know, ye shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, some will say, well, but that's referring to, no, no, no. I'm going to put it in the context. You need to know the truth about you. And you need to own it and accept that it's because of those parts of, that are shadowed that you're now bringing into the light that are that made you have made you who you are. Exactly. And and I often say and with that, I got to go to my next client. <laughs> All right. Well, let me uh, if I can if I can uh, uh, grab you for just another minute. I'm going to ask you very quickly three final questions that I ask all of my guests. OK, and they are number one. Who is Sherry Gaba? Um, an authentic being. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Eradicate the stigma around shame of multiple relationships and marriages. And finally, what is your life's purpose? To help others find their voice. And Sherry Gaba, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I thank you for listening and watching Tell Me Your Story. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love Talal.